This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share and collaborate. Hi, welcome to EM Weekly, and this is your host, Todd DeVoe speaking. And this week, we're going to talk a little bit about well, us, emergency managers, and what it is with our profession. And there's been a disturbing trend here um, in the last couple months now, uh, and, and where colleges specifically and some uh, municipalities are cutting the role of the emergency manager and feeling that it can go ahead and be a collateral duty. And, and we've talked about this in the past and, and what that means. And, and what this really got me thinking about is is selling. And my friend and the producer of, of the show, Brian Colburn over at Sitch Radio, has been telling me for years that I need to learn about selling and what it means to, to sell emergency management. And then he kind of points out, and, and I agree with him, that realistically, we do this all day long. We're selling to our the public of why they should be prepared, and evidently, we're doing a terrible job at that. With the fact that we're like what ten percent prepared in Orange County, California, three point five million people in Orange County, and a, a survey went out, it was somewhere around ten percent. This is a couple of years ago, so I don't know if that statistic has changed or not. But anyway, that being said, that's a very low amount of people. Think about that. And what's that mean, people being prepared as well? So selling that idea of preparedness. And then we're selling the idea of, of volunteering, right? Whether it's with the American Red Cross or Team Rubicon or the CERT programs or uh, Salvation Army, whatever disaster preparedness programs that are out there, disaster response programs that are out there looking for volunteers, we're selling the idea of service. And then we need to sell to our city council members and to our support. And let's we'll get into this here in, in a little bit. I just want to go over a few a few things. So, what is the future? What is the future of emergency management? You know what what do we do? And I was talking to another emergency manager uh, yesterday, actually, and uh, we we're talking about the idea of when you say emergency management. That already puts us into an area where it is we only respond to emergencies, right? And it really only does a little bit of what the title itself only covers a little bit of what we do. Now, I'm not necessarily in a position to where I want to support changing the name of emergency managers to something else. And, and even that concept, we'll get, we'll get into that in a couple seconds here, but even that concept of, of what does it mean to be an emergency manager, what does emergency management mean? And if you go and you look across the country, there are various different titles for, for that position. You have emergency manager, you have resiliency officer, which is a little bit different. Um, you have um, emergency services coordinator. You you know, there's various different titles, we can go over a bunch of them, but various different titles meaning to do the same job. And so I think at that point, we were not even sure as a profession what we should call ourselves. And then the, the guy who I was talking to realistically said, I like the idea, and this is a quote, I'm kind of quoting him or paraphrasing him, that he likes the idea of using the term uh, resiliency officer. 
and I, and I know that we're looking at resiliency if you take a look at the 100 um, resilient city initiative and what the resiliency officer means for for different cities and LA city has a resiliency officer and then they also have emergency managers and they do different functions but they should be talking to each other and, and functioning together but should we be looking at the concept of more of resiliency or sustainability into what we do as a profession? I, I, I can, I'm going to argue yes, that we should be looking more in the concepts of resiliency and sustainability when it comes to what we do specifically in, in the mitigation and the recovery aspects of things. You know, the response obviously is, is a very small portion of what we do. It's the one that's mostly covered by the news, but, you know, our 365 days a year, we're not responding every day, although we are preparing for those responses and, and practicing for those. But are we doing a disservice to the community if we're focusing specifically on response only and not dealing with the other uh, functions in as emergency managers? Now, obviously, the larger agencies have people doing different things, right? But the smaller agencies has one person doing the thing. And in some cases, and they're getting rid of them, they have no person that is actually an emergency manager. It's just a collateral duty, which makes it even part-time to part-time to part-time, right? So (laughs) it's not being really uh, covered at all. And then the other part of with emergency management, we need to look at, I kind of alluded to it earlier with the idea of volunteerism, but the idea of community leadership. Are you involved in your community? Do you go to the Chamber of Commerce meetings? You know, are you allowed to go to the Chamber of Commerce meetings? You know, um, are you allowed to represent the city in, in different functions throughout the community? And I'm not just talking about the emergency management community, right? I'm talking about the community as general. You know, when they invite the police chief to go speak at community events, are you along with them or the fire chief for that matter? You know, do you go speak at community events? Are you allowed to go speak to community events? Are you restricted in any way, you know, by your by your organization? You know, if you are restricted, you should actually, now you have to go back and sell again and sell yourself to your administration to see how important it is for you to be out in the community, talking to the community about emergency preparedness, emergency response, and, and whatnot, and resiliency. And I'm going to keep going back to the concept of resiliency because I think it's at a very very important in our community now. When I say our community, talk about emergency managers. I think we, it's something that we need to embrace specifically. Moving from there, it seems to be that emergency managers are cannon fodder. You know, it's easy to, easy to cut. And I was talking to um, uh, somebody just recently uh, who just, they just lost their job. Um, matter of fact, I, I know a couple of emergency managers at the higher education department that just got, they got their positions cut. And when asked why, the president of the college said the position of emergency management is easy to cut without friction. Think about that for a minute. So the position of emergency manager is easy to cut without friction. So that means that up in the upper echelon, up in the administration, they don't see value in the emergency manager. That's kind of a, a, a crazy statement coming specifically from colleges where we're responsible for the health and safety of the faculty, staff, and students that are that are on this campus, you know, whether it's campus safety or campus police department, depending on what the, what the, uh, what kind of school you have. 
And then the fact that the emergency management portion of it, the disaster plans, the, the drills, the things that are required by Cleary, right? The Cleary re- required drill that they feel the emergency management position can be cut without friction. What does that mean? What does that mean about our profession? Does that mean that we or the are doing a poor job of, of selling the importance of, of what we do? You know, is cutting the police chief, was that something that would be done without friction? <laughs> you know, or cutting the, uh, you know, the, the director of facilities, is that something that could be done without friction? So obviously they don't see value in what emergency management is. There was another school that uh, I was talking to the guy who, who worked there and same thing, they were cutting things back and forth and, and they were looking at campus safety specifically and, and the, they were doing a, a downsizing. The, oddly enough right now in, in higher education across the board, the enrollment is down because we are in a, a full employment plus and so people aren't going to school. They stay, they're making money without going to school. So schools suffer during these times. And so the, the guy who was the vice president of, uh, uh, of, of university services over there, uh, they were having a conversation about emergency management again and, and, and planning and whatnot. And his, they were looking at bringing in a consultant to, to do some planning. And the, the, the vice president over there, again, his, uh, his attitude was, well, you know, we could just grab a plan, dust it off change the name on it and make it ours because that's all it is. It's, it's not a big deal. You know, we can just do it. We'll wing it. And that's the attitude that they have. So again, um, wow. Is it, is it a poor salesmanship? Now this specific school doesn't have, didn't have, doesn't have a, a full-time or a part-time emergency manager. They bring in contractors to write plans, do some exercises and drills and whatnot. And then they, uh, um, and then they, they send them away. So it's just a contract type thing, you know, and, and that's one way of doing it, I suppose, you know, during your, they, they're saying that during your nine to five portion that the, having the emergency manager is, is not an important function. And in the case of this one school, bringing in a consultant is not important because they feel they could just go on the internet, download a plan, control H and then put their name in, you know? So um, it's just one of those weird things, right? And so, I, I, so planning in this case is, or not planning, but making a plan is a checkbox for them, right? It's not the process of planning or getting the people involved in the planning, you know. And and, and as Eisenhower says, it's, it's not the plan. I guess he's being accredited for this. I'm, and I'll, I'll keep going with with Eisenhower till I'm told otherwise. It's that it wasn't the plan that it's important. It's the process that's important. Again, I'm paraphrasing that. I'm sure it was much more elegantly said. So the lack of authority that comes along with that and the lack of authority that's given to the emergency manager, I I think is part of the things why emergency managers are fodder. It's why it is a position that can be cut without friction. Emergency management, at some cases, it's thought of as a cost center, right? Especially in, in uh, schools. Now, obviously with schools, teachers need to come in, the professors have to come in because that's what students are going there for. They're not going there for emergency management. 
But is, is it a cost center or could it be a cost saving center? Or could it be a place to where grants and, and funding is coming into four different programs in the school? Hazard mitigation, for instance. It's grants that are out there right now to create a natural hazard mitigation plan can also bring you in millions of dollars, potentially billions of dollars, depends on, on how it's written, um, in, in building uh, an infrastructure changes. Is emergency management thought of as insurance? Let me ask you this. We're talking about insurance regarding um, flood insurance and, and what does it mean for flood insurance across the nation and, and why don't people have flood insurance? Well, they don't have flood insurance because it's a cost. They don't think that they're in an area that's going to get flooded out. And uh, so they roll the dice and, and, and not get that insurance. Are emergency managers thought about as like flood insurance to some of these institutions to where they feel they can uh, go without and just roll the dice and see what happens? i tell you something. In some cases, specifically in higher education, if you start looking at some of the Cleary uh, investigations, that's going to be a $35,000 plus plus uh, hit on that school when they find out that some of those plans are not in place and properly maintained and, and uh, or the drills and the exercises aren't aren't done properly. It's a lot more than just that. So $35,000 per violation it could add up. So that fee that you have for and, and for having the emergency manager there it's going to be paid for over over and over again if you get caught up in a clear investigation. There's no perceived value from some administration on emergency management. We kind of talked about that a minute ago, but the idea is that there's no perceived value. There's a perceived value in parking. There's a perceived value in uh, the, the, the maintenance people, right? There's a perceived value in, in other positions. But in some cases with emergency management, the perceived value isn't there because, again, contracted out or it's a, something that they only see happening just for planning or whatever. And then the other part of it, of that perceived value, is anybody could do it. As in the one administrator at the one university where he said, just dust off the plan, control H, change out the names, and then we have a plan. So going back into the idea of selling emergency management and, and talking about with, with Brian and I had those long conversations about selling and I always told him all the time, I said, I'm not a salesman. I, I said, I have my master's degree in public administration. I, I don't have a business savvy type person. I, I, I don't sell. And, and he goes to me, oh, everybody sells, right? And he goes, you sell yourself when you go through your interview. You're selling yourself when you, uh, you, you know, try to get your kids to do things that uh, you want them to do. There's, there's, you're always constantly selling somehow, right? And I picked up this copy of Brian recommended me of this book called To Sell as Human by Daniel H. Pink. And I like this part of it. I'm just going to read this really quick. It says, according to the U.S. labor statistics, one in nine Americans work in sales. He goes, but dig deeper and start it, and the startling truth emerges. So do the other eight. It says whether your employees are pitching colleagues and new ideas, uh, getting funding, uh, having parents and teachers uh, talking to talking to children, trying to get them to study, yeah, you know, trying to get them to eat properly, you know, 
we spend our days trying to move others. And if selling realistically is just getting others to move others, emergency managers have to get better at selling. We talked earlier in this conversation regarding the fact that we're not able to get communities to be prepared, or at least individuals to be prepared, and we're putting millions and millions of dollars into campaigns for preparedness. In Orange County, we have this thing called Ready OC, and they go out and they do a great job. And they, they go to the community fairs, they, they do these things, they, they, put, they give out swag and i've talked to hundreds and hundreds of people you know throughout my my time here and i'll ask them if they've gone to the uh uh to the website these <laughs> these guys the, the 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 program they're at the angel stadium they're at the uh um they're on buses the ads are they're at the train stations with this big backpack and the whole see something say something campaign and again, I ask the question, have you seen this? And then, you know, people, the majority of the people have never paid attention to it. What are we doing wrong? They have commercials at the at the uh at the movie theater. I haven't seen it. I've seen it personally, but I'm talking about that's what their answers are. They aren't picking up the message of preparedness. And it's not for lack of trying, right? And we put money into it. We have great campaigns out there. Is our people um, not paying attention to it? You know, they're on the news. Channel 7 News in, in, in LA, in, in the LA metropolitan area, they have a ready campaign program that they, they support. And people will stay. They haven't seen it. What does that mean? Are we just are we doing a poor job, or is it just not becoming a priority for them? So going back to Daniel H. Pink in his book, "To Sell as Human," are we doing enough? Are we engaging in the community? Are we engaging with our coworkers? Are we engaging with administration? We are looked upon as a nice-to-have position in cities. Easy to cut without the friction. People aren't crying when the emergency manager is cut. But if you lose their police department, right, or if you lose their fire department, citizens are outraged. What can we do? Should we do regular emails? People aren't reading those either. But or should we do regular emails? Newsletters? What can we do to sell our program? That's the question I want to leave you guys with today. Are you doing enough to sell emergency management? And how important that this profession really is? Seconds count during an emergency. That's why at Titan HST, we're always inventing new technology to help people stay safe and help people who can provide help get connected with people who need help. At Titan HST, we've deployed 
mesh networking allowing emergency communication even when networks are down, augmented reality, and real-time translation. We believe in the power of people to help each other stay safe and thrive. If the ad campaigns are great, they would work. Yeah, you're right. So being entertaining and cool and getting your message that you're so close to and passionate about out is awesome. But if there isn't a return on that investment, they're failing. And instead of saying, get a kit, get food, be prepared, have a fire extinguisher. We need to change tactics to the point of, do you want to watch your child starve to death? Do you want to live on the street underneath a tarp on cardboard because your house collapsed in an earthquake while you're waiting to get into a FEMA shelter? Do you want to watch your child's lips chap and skin blister from the sun because you didn't prepare and you don't have a roof over their head? If we approached, and I'm not saying we have to go hardcore scare tactic. But happy-go-lucky have a fucking fire extinguisher doesn't work. You know, people will go buy smoke detectors after the house burned down. Yeah. So it doesn't happen again. It's like people putting security cameras on their house after the house has been broken into. Right. I mean, they'll spend hundreds of dollars on a security camera system that doesn't do you any good unless something happens to hopefully catch and prosecute. How about harden your doors? Harden the target so they go next door rather than having awesome video to share on Facebook of them destroying your property. Well, ring videos are kind of cool. Okay, kind of cool like having a fire extinguisher. (laughs) Let's get a cert backpack with some food in it. No, no, you're absolutely right. But the question that comes into is outside of the, 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 the public, right? How do we sell emergency management to the elected officials and to the administration that at the end of the day is just looking to cut dollars? I think emergency managers need to take a look at their industry professionally. You know, yeah, there's a third party organization that will certify you as an emergency manager. I can't be a cop unless I'm certified by the state. I can't be a firefighter unless I'm certified by the state. But some clown can get out of the military with 20 years of freaking logistics experience and become an emergency manager. That does a disservice to the community. It does a disservice to the profession. And I'm not knocking him for getting into a job that he wants to be in. But, you know, I just can't walk into a fire station and say, hey, I'm your new chief. I just got out of the military. I was logistics. Well, and we have the same problem with with uh, fire chiefs and, and police chiefs and administration that's retiring. And then they go, oh, okay, after I, I'm done with this, and I'm just going to go put the shingle up and be an emergency manager somewhere. And it happens more often than not. Right. But what's the root of the problem? How many people are emergency managers that don't want to go through a certification? They like their cushy state job with their freaking CalPERS. And they know they're going to have decent retirement. 
if there isn't a big earthquake and they get blamed for it or they get cut because the budget's gone. And that's the other side of it too. And, and, and I, I forgot to mention this before, but the, the idea of do we, you know, do we take the blame as emergency managers when things go south, right? I mean, if you take a look at the, uh, the fires up in uh, uh, Santa Rosa fires up there, um, that they uh, that they f- went through and looked at the emergency manager and, and blamed blamed the emergency manager for the the failings of, of the fire department and and the evacuation, you know. So so we d- we we are in the chopping block, right? But and it's a, it's a, but I think again it's an easy position to cut and like the president of the college said, without friction. Right, but it's multifaceted. Emergency managers, and I'm not saying want to be, a lot of them are professionals. They truly care about their, they truly care about the people in their charge, the people that they're responsible for, and they want nothing but the best. But how many people, how many emergency managers, and you know what, how many mayors say, oh, we need an EM so we look cool and just appoint somebody that doesn't even want to be the EM. They don't take it passionately. They're checking the boxes saying, yep, I did my job. Now I can go back and be the fireman I want to be or the policeman I want to be. You know, and if if they're not going to take it seriously, if that emergency manager, whether it's duty or their passion, doesn't take it seriously and they're not fighting for some sort of standard to be an emergency manager, are they doing a disservice to the industry? Now, in California, and I can only talk about California because that's what I know, um, You know, there are the credentialing programs that they just created, and they are looking to do standards, and I think there's, they're moving in the right direction. And like I said this before, the, the CEM, although it might not be the, the end-all, be-all of everything, at least it's a start. And, I, and you're absolutely right, Brian. We need to bring the the profession up and we need to those of us that are in emergency management need to say we need to 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 certify this make it more 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 academic rigor if you will to get into the position of emergency manager i don't i'm not necessarily one for for making laws for the sake of laws but should we have a law that outlines what an emergency manager is just like we do with um police and fire and, and that, that you have to meet those standards to become an emergency manager. I think if it has to do with health and safety of other human beings, then yes, there should be a standard. And that job should be protected. You know, if the city of Los Angeles, I'm giggling as I say, if they fell on hard times, drive down Skid Row, they're on hard times, and they still afford an emergency manager. You know, but what if something happens and they're like, "Eh, let's get rid of this. Let's chief of police. You're now the EM as well. You know, they don't take it seriously. It's almost like that, that um, bargaining chip they use when it's election time. Not true. No, absolutely true. And, and obviously with bigger cities and and they they have more budget and they they have divisions of emergency management and the counties have have that as well. I think where it comes, when you see a lot more of the 
cutting, if you will, of those positions. You're going to see those in the smaller cities, uh, smaller jurisdictions that that look at it as a as a line item that they can just chop off when when they're at hard times and or um, when they're looking to to just do political stuff. Yeah, I mean, I. You know, I've told you for years, Todd, you need to do a better job being your best cheerleader because you do, you've done a lot of, then, yeah, you're going to get cut because he does he even know your name. Does he know what good you're doing? Does he know, does he understand that you doing your job correctly can save money in the long run? What's the stat? How many dollars of preparedness or preparation of mitigation does it save in in response and recovery? One to six, one to seven, depending on what study you look at. Yeah. So if you're an EM and you're not freaking make a poster about that next to the get a fire extinguisher and here's your green cert backpack and put that on the wall so your boss understands that it's, yes, it's a cost center. But when something happens, you're going to save so much money if you're doing your job efficiently. It's a cost center to one aspect of it, but obviously with with grants and and again with the recovery, and I'll tell a quick recovery story. We were going through, we had a a windstorm come in and ripped a roof off of of one of our buildings. And uh, when we're going through the recovery process, they wanted to see all of our our, uh, paperwork on the deferred maintenance or what we've done and we couldn't prove it's a weird thing here but we couldn't prove that the windstorm was the cause of the damage to the roof and and it got it got on a it was a not approved as a as a project by fema it was a hundred and fifty thousand dollar project that was disapproved by by fema and uh, it cost the city that much and it was because that the paperwork wasn't in order and that the that the the maintenance the the facilities people um didn't take the paperwork portion of what was being pushed out by myself at the time uh seriously you know and it costs money and it's just things like that 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 as emergency managers where we need to be more aggressive on it and and get them to do things and it does save money at the and and you can pay back um at the end of the day yeah i mean i understand the importance of an emergency manager i have knowledge in your industry, as you're well aware, Todd. Um, I responded to Hurricane Katrina. I lived in a flipping ambulance for too many days. So I understand the importance. I understand the hardships that people can suffer during an emergency. But it's, I'm coming off kind of harsh on EMs, but you guys don't celebrate your wins. You cry about not having enough money. You cry about not having enough staff. But what are you doing to sell yourself, to sell your department's worth, to go raise the money you need to put the things into place that's going to help you do your job better and you protect the citizens in your charge? So, Brian, you turned me on to the Daniel H. Pink's book, and you, you read it. Can somebody take lessons from that book and apply it to emergency management? They can. Obviously, the book is written from the point of view of selling goods and services. However, that book and Jeffrey Gittimer's The Little Red Book of Selling, these 
these books, in my opinion, should be required reading for anybody in any area of, of professionalism. Because at the end of the day, everybody is a salesman. That, that clerk stocking shelves at your local grocery store when you say, hey, I'm looking for the flour. That's an opportunity for them to engage, to provide customer service, and to maybe upsell. That bag of flour is going to be 99 cents, but we have pre-made cakes in the bakery that are fresh. And if that mentality was pushed through all ranks of a company, that company, in my opinion, is going to do better. They will see a return on that effect. So how do we apply that to emergency management? Look, most EMs have some sort of volunteer core, whether it's a CERT program they're involved with, a RACES program they're involved with. Did you convince or talk to people and get them to sign up for that program? If you did, you sold that program. You sold them on the fact that they need to give up hours of their life to sit in a classroom and watch a PowerPoint presentation. So you are a salesman. But... Let's take it to the next level. When you're in budget discussions, and if you're not in budget discussions, you need to prepare for your boss. So when they're in budget discussions, what it is you want, what it is you need, how much it's going to cost, what the ROI is, can it be amortized? It's probably over EM's heads. I I can't remember the word, so it's over my head, obviously. But prepare those things. You know, I listened to a show to where EMs are looking at free online solutions to help them manage their EOC. And there's a lot of great free online solutions out there. I'm a great cheerleader for free. That's my favorite price. My favorite beer is whatever beer you're buying me. So... There's a lot of great solutions out there. And yes, they can be tailored because they can't justify the cost for an out-of-the-box EOC software hardware management system. So they're doing what they have to do. How many hours did they spend? Because I can tell you roughly how many hours I've spent looking for a free solution to save me time. So it's counterintuitive. If you spent 10 hours looking for that free solution, another five to tailor it to your needs, another two or three uploading documents, building teams out. I mean, how many hours do you have invested to save a couple thousand dollars? Is your time not valuable? Right. No, no. And and it's funny you say that because uh, I was talking to somebody one day um, regarding washing vehicles and... Uh, they 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 said they wash their own vehicle because they they prefer to blah blah blah, and so we had a bunch of uh, uh, CSOs um, that ran around, and I said, hey, have them wash their vehicle. So because take a look at your dollar amount that you spend on yourself, you know, your 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 salary, and you're actually st- and spending more money by washing your own car than having a CSO come in and and wash it. You got people for that. Yeah, I have people. We have people for that. Funny thing is, Todd will stand there and watch the CSO wash the car. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's not true. So now two salaries are being paid out. <laughs> that's not true. I am definitely not a micromanager by any means. But the point is, is like you know, I, it's 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 using your resources properly and, and the money that you have there. And I, I get what your your point is, Brian, is that you're spending more money on your time and effort than you do by buying the out of the box, you know, uh, uh, solution. I mean, po- possibly, you know. Um, how tech savvy is that EM? Yeah, he's looking at me because I'm not tech savvy at all. I, I'm actually I'm better, a lot better than I used to be. He's much better than he used to be. I, I'm learning Mac now. You found the any key. I did. Find, I, I'm not the ID10T anymore. Um, I, I'm I'm using Mac now. That's that's kind of kind of new for me. I mean, let's bring this into the home. Hey, honey, let's go out to dinner tonight. Are you selling your wife on going out and enjoying a meal? I mean, you sell every day, all day. You know, unless you're sitting in a dark room by yourself writing plans all day long, you know, you're you're in sales. And but you, even even that, Brian, when you're sitting in your the, the, your office, your cubicle, typing away at a plan, I, I mean, I think that's a waste of time because at the end of the day, you need to have buy-in and input into that plan, and it should be a process. It shouldn't just be clicking away at a keyboard and creating something that sounds good to you. You know, because then you know you have to practice that and drill it. But you're going to have to, at the end of the day, get everybody who's in that organization to understand it. And, and and buy into it and, and make it work. So, I mean, yeah, you're again, you're going back to selling because you need to get them on board to be part of that process. And everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. I get it. You know, no one wants to sit into another meeting. But these are important. And, and going back to selling, how do you sell that support? How do you get the um, administrators to come in? The other day I was talking to a guy and he was telling me how He's having a cabinet drill, a cabinet being for the uh, for the college uh, cabinet, uh, the the president, the vice presidents, and executives at a college having an exercise and a, a training for them. And I was I congratulated him on that. I like pretty much high fived him over the phone, saying, "Hey, awesome job! You got these guys to buy in on it." It's rare to see that happen, you know. And again, but the question is, isn't that is it important? Right. The question is, is how do, as emergency managers, how do we embrace this concept of selling and how do we, um, how do we get them to, and when I say them, I'm talking about emergency managers, how do we get emergency managers to, to, to go forth and sell their programs to the administrators because they're cutting them. I was talking to another emergency manager for another university who just recently left uh, back east and he stated to me, he goes, he feels that the future of emergency management in higher education is grim. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a statement and a half right there. Is future of emergency management in higher education grim? I don't know. I haven't done a survey. But anecdotally speaking, it looks like it. Going back to how do you sell management, pretty dynamic question. Corporate cultures are different from campus to campus, semester to semester, year to year. Administration um, to administration. Exactly. But step one is learn how to sell. Learn that selling is easier than one might think that says, I'm not a salesman. People buy from people they like. People buy to solve a problem. 
So A, you need to be personable. You need to have a relationship with your boss's boss's boss. You need to have an understanding of what they perceive their pain points are. You sell to them, then you shut your mouth and you don't talk yourself out of a sale. So you sell to those pain points. You solve those problems. That conveys your worth. It will get their buy-in. And then, you know, you add that little rider to it. Add that pork to the bill. Well, great. We're going to do this and extend it a little bit. Push, push a little bit. Add something else you're lacking into that plan that's just a small percentage of it to get that done in accordance with solving your boss's 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 pain. How do we make it? How do we make it so losing a, a position of as an emergency manager or getting rid of an emergency manager becomes painful for the administration or as uh, the president said, you know, there's less friction getting rid of the EM. How do we make it more friction to get rid of the EM? I think it goes back to selling to the pain point and being that personable person and having relationships because if your counterparts on campus, we'll, we'll use a campus as an example. Does the chief of police understand your worth and value? Is he going to fight for you or is he going to go, oh, that sucks? Do the deans, do the department heads, do professors, does the maintenance department, does, are, are you swaying their opinion for the importance of emergency management? Them getting rid of an EM that is well-liked and well-respected and sold all these people on the fact that, yeah, I'm just here to make sure you're safe and you can do your job efficiently. And if there is a problem, to get the campus back up and running so you can do your job. You know, that's the way I would approach that buy-in. Because if they fire that well-liked individual, how much... How much backlash are they going to receive? You know, if deans start going, hey, what's going on with our safety? You know, I, I felt better when there was an emergency manager here. I felt somebody was watching my back and making sure that this was a safe place and there were plans in place to continue our mission, that continuity of business, if there were something to happen. You know, but it seems like time and time again, it's like, oh my gosh, we're doing this. We need to get an emergency manager in here and get squared away. They bring an EM. They bring an EM in. That EM writes plans, squares them away, brings them up to date. Oh, fills in these holes because they're missing this piece over here and does a bunch of coordination and sets out all of these agreements with local municipalities for, for what's the word? Rest, not reciprocity. Mutual aid. They put together all these mutual aid packages and programs and, okay, we're in a safe place now. Let's cut that EM. And then things slowly deteriorate to the point they're going to bring back an EM. And <clears throat> that EM, when you're interviewing for that job, do a little research. Is that their culture? Do you want to be part of that culture? Do you care more about the profession than a short-term paycheck? Right. Would it be okay to go... 
you know, I understand you guys have had several EMs, but they're, you know, work for a year and then you don't have an EM for a few years and then they work for a year. Is this that? And, and that's kind of where it comes into the, the point where some colleges and, and even some cities just bring in uh, contractors to, to write their plans and then and then they're done. You know, they pay $25,000, $30,000, maybe more uh, for a plan. And then they, uh, they're happy that they have this. Maybe bring in somebody and pay them $25,000, $30,000 to do some exercises. And they're happy with this. It checks that box without having to have that person full-time sitting there as an emergency manager. I'm wondering, and then this kind of just popped into my head, is the future of emergency management consulting than having emergency managers sitting at cities and, and colleges and, and whatnot? You know, I think you're hitting on something and not just consulting, but if let's take municipality because it doesn't really apply to corporate America or campuses unless it's a massive disaster. But if say the city of Dana Point suffered a massive earthquake and infrastructures damaged Roads closed, no power, no water, no anything. That EM and those responders that respond to that city are probably going to be taking care of their own and not in a place mentally, maybe not physically, to take care of their city. So maybe a contract EM coming in to manage that would be better because there is no emotional attachment their family's safe and sound back in Montana or New Jersey or wherever, and they're not personally affected. So they're seeing everything without blinders, and they can make decisions based upon the plans that are in place, their experience and their knowledge and their resources at hand with the mutual, uh, the mutual aid agreements that are in place. Maybe they are better off managing that incident. You know, it, it kind of goes back around to uh, the title of, of emergency management and, and what what should we what should we call ourselves? And I, like I said before, I, I don't jump on that bandwagon of, of changing the name. I, I, I think that there's always a problem when we start changing names of, of things. Uh, I think people are just getting used to the term of emergency manager right now. But I I agree with Jeff that he said that emergency management or using that term really limits to what the idea or the expectation of what the profession does, you know, using a different term like resiliency or sustainability or you, you name it. I mean, I, I don't know what the proper one would be, but does that give a broader view of what emergency managers really do? I, I think it adds value just by title change because if I'm paying an emergency manager a hundred thousand dollars a year, and I'm on year six of writing that check and we haven't had a flip in emergency and I see this guy making that kind of money directing traffic or walking around the stadium for the game this weekend and, you know, he's not managing an emergency. Why am I paying an emergency manager? And I think that goes back to where cutting the position without friction, right? I, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. Right. You know, because... When was the last time we had an emergency? Now, I guess you know if you live back in the in the Midwest where there's tornadoes every year or, or, or hurricanes in the southeast and 
big snowstorms in the Northeast and whatnot, um, heat waves in, in the Midwest again. You know, those, I get that, that maybe you respond to more, but I think it's it's a little bit harder, like in Arizona, uh, you know, outside of the large fires or in California when you have an earthquake every 10, 15 years or, you know, again, the large fires. And you're relatively in the urban areas, you're, you're, you're safe, right? I, you, know, you might have things here and there, but for the most part, you know, you're not responding to emergencies every year. You know, so, and again, I think that the idea of sustainability or, or resiliency or, Again, I try to think of other buzzwords that I can throw out there because it sounds like a broken record at this point. Does that, should we be looking at that name change? I, I don't know. I, again, I, I'm not one of proponent for it right now. I haven't done the data or the, or the statistical analysis of it. But, I mean, does it make sense to, to start changing names midstream? I think the industry has a bigger problem than trying to put lipstick on a pig by changing a title. Exactly. Exactly. That's my point. So I, I, I honestly think that there needs to be some sort of shift in the way we look at emergency managers. I mean, it, it's an important job to have these mutual aid agreements in place. It's an important job to mitigate problems. And I, I, I honestly believe it's a thankless job because the majority of the people that live in America don't care, couldn't tell you what an emergency manager is, and that's your fault if you're in EM. You know, instead of putting that poster together, get a backpack, or instead of putting a flyer together because it's, you know, time for the coyotes to come down and chomp on small dogs – with some sort of statement of don't feed the dogs, don't feed the coyotes. <laughs> don't feed the dogs. Don't feed the coyotes. <laughs> you know, m- maybe we need to start at some sort of grassroots level on educating what EM is. You yeah. know, there's CERT programs. There's neighbor-for-neighbor neighbor programs. There's RACI programs. We can't even agree on that. What's better, CERT or neighbor-for-neighbor? Neighbor? What's better, civil defense or this? You know, it's it's like everyone has a competing opinion and they're they're spending so much time competing with each other than doing what the mission of that organization was set up to do. You're you're right on that. I mean, and like I say, anything else is it branding? Because I think some of the stuff is is very, uh, it, you know, it crosses crosses lines, right? Or not crosses lines, but um, cohabitates, I suppose. You know, like RACES, for instance, which is communication, along with CERT, which is, you know, the community response team. They, they can do some of the similar stuff. Yeah, but you know what? A lot of these organizations have people in leadership roles, in my opinion, shouldn't be there. They're not per- – and, and you know what? I think it's indicative across America right now. People are being promoted into leadership roles due to tenure, not the ability to lead or the want to lead. Mm. It's, oh, you've been here 10 years, you're now the manager. Well, managing people has nothing to do with the work that those people are doing. Well, that goes back to the to the paper that I wrote, you know, leadership versus management. And and I got some pushback on that saying, oh, that's the same old argument for again. But I think it's I think it's one of those things that we should they should look at, right? Leadership versus management. Because there are two different functions. 
definitely. But back to my point, if you have a cert organization and you've got somebody in charge that doesn't understand the fundamentals and principles of leadership and he's not being an effective leader and you're sitting back wondering why your cert team's not growing, then you're the problem and you probably shouldn't be leading the clown leading the cert team. Right. No, I, I, get, I get what you're saying. I agree with you on that, on that as well. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. Well, Brian, I mean, I know we could we could talk about this all day long. And, and, uh, but some, you got to go sell shit to people. Uh, yeah. I know we could talk about it. Time's a salesman. Yeah. So anyway, and like I said, we could talk about this all day long, but uh, you know, we, at some point we got to cut this uh, episode down to 30 minutes. So. Do you have credit card debt? Good. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to sign off. Sign off. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you again for, for joining us with this conversation uh, about emergency management and, and, and selling and what it is for our programs. So I'll see you guys next week.